Hi, everyone. Welcome back. You're listening to This Week in Yoga, and I'm your host, Erin Lanzi. I created this podcast as a way to balance our asana practice with a little bit of study and reflection each week. So that way, when we get to the mat, we can get straight into our body. And if you're more interested in some of the background, maybe history, philosophy, reflections, science, anatomy, health stuff surrounding your yoga practice, then this podcast would be the place that you can hear about that stuff. So this week we're at the start of a new month and all month long we'll be talking about the nervous system and the human stress response. And I've talked about this a little bit before, but we're going to dig a little deeper this month. And in this episode, I'll share a brief overview about the nervous system, how our stress response works, and I'm going to give you a checklist of some symptoms that you might be experiencing if you've been in a state of prolonged stress. So even if you are feeling balanced, even if you're feeling well, this is still an episode that you can benefit from for those times that you aren't feeling as balanced or as well for those times that you have been under a lot of stress for a long period of time. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Let me know your thoughts and thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Okay, so As I am here today recording this particular episode of This Week in Yoga, we are sitting sort of moving into the tail end of the COVID-19 pandemic. And um, even though I have talked about the stress response in the past, uh, probably even during COVID-19, I haven't talked about it in exactly this particular way that I am going to be discussing it through the month of April. So I really want to explore things a little bit more deeply. And this is why. So whether or not we feel it acutely, our nervous systems have been in a state of sort of hypervigilance over the past um, 13 months now. So longer than a year. And even though we may not feel like we are, you know, in this state of stress-induced hyperarousal anymore, maybe the way, do you remember at the beginning of the pandemic when we were rushing out for the for the toilet paper and we were all clearing off the shelves at the stores trying to stock up because nobody knew what the heck was going on? You know, that was maybe, you probably felt um, hypervigilant or hyperaroused in that at that point in time. And at this point, we're not really feeling like that anymore. We're used to pandemic. We're used to it dragging on. We are used to accommodating this virus in our daily lives and kind of putting one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, in front of the other day after day. And even though we aren't in that sort of... um, super intensely stressed place, we are in still a state of stress. And our nervous systems have been working very hard. And so that's what I want to focus on this week. So to begin, I'll tell you just a little story about our youngest child, Eli. It has a happy ending, but it was a scary story. So 
Last year, right at the beginning of pandemic, actually, Eli got out of the house. He had never done it before, but he was big enough. He walked to the front door and opened it and went out and started running down the street. And when I saw him, he was already so far away, I didn't think I could get to him fast enough. And I yelled. My husband, Ben, heard me, and he jumped off of the couch and started bolting down the street after Eli. So luckily, there was a lawn care worker nearby that got to Eli first and stopped him just a a few feet in front of the intersection where there was traffic going by. Um, And of course, it was really emotional. There were a lot of feelings. There was a lot of stuff going on um, for me mentally and emotionally that I could talk about another time. But for the purposes of this episode. Um, I want to share this detail that happened on our walk home. So we're walking home with Eli in our arms and we noticed that Ben's feet were bleeding. The bottoms of his feet were bleeding. There were several places that he had actually torn through the skin on the soles of his feet because he had run so hard. So that was really an example of our fight or flight stress response working precisely the way it needs to in exactly the kind of situation where it is needed. So Ben, his body needed to move that fast and to run that hard, so hard that his feet bled. When we're running in, you know, other scenarios in our lives, you know, you're out for a jog or something, you're going to stop if your feet get to the point that they hurt probably, you know, or, you know, especially if you were in the scenario that your feet might actually be injured, you would stop running. But he didn't even notice that he had injured his feet until after the incident was over. So that day that Ben was able to run so hard that his feet bled, he didn't even notice that he was in pain until we got home and his whole system was able to sort of settle down a little bit and then register the pain. Um, That day, his fight or flight response was activated. And a lot of us know about fight or flight. Fight or flight is something that is this phenomenon that occurs in your autonomic nervous system. And within the autonomic nervous system, we have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. These are the two pieces that I usually talk about in yoga. So the sympathetic nervous system is your fight or flight response. This is that really rapid, intense response. It's this triggering of hormones and um, neurotransmitters that cause you to be able to run and lift and move and breathe with sort of superhuman strength. And that's what happened with Ben that day that Eli got out the door is his system sensed danger, sensed a threat. And and in response to that perceived threat, our child running down the street toward traffic, um, this chain of hormonal events started in his body that allowed him to to perform at that speed and at that strength that he wouldn't normally be able to do. Okay, so all of his um, 
systems of so circulatory system, blood was rushing to his extremities, giving him this sort of surge of strength to be able to run. His lung capacity temporarily increased so he could breathe and bring in the oxygen that he needed to get to Eli as fast as he could. His um, pupils were dilated, so he was bringing in, it's, it's sort of like you develop these stress response spidey senses when something like that is happening, that you are hyper aware of any sort of sensory input around you so that you can respond appropriately and act in a way that's going to keep you or the person that you're looking out for safe and alive. So in that scenario of Eli running away, Ben needed his fight or flight response. He needed all of those things to be happening in his body um, for him to be able to run as fast and as hard as he did. But we don't need it all the time, do we? We only need that response in short intervals. And really, fight or flight only works for a short period of time. However, if there is a threat, a perceived threat that persists, like a pandemic, for example, Um, we enter into a lower state of stress. So it's not this intense hyper hyper arousal thing that Ben had going on bolting down the street after Eli. It's more of a sort of low drone of continued, constant hypervigilance. It's really more like um, if you have ever watched over a brand new baby all night long or a sick baby all night long, it's that type of sort of half awake, one eye open type of hypervigilance that it's not fighting, it's not fleeing for your life, but it certainly is not restful. And that is the place that we have been living in, most of us, many of us. I would venture to say the majority of us for the past 12 to 13 months. As this pandemic has gone on, we have learned to accommodate this virus in our daily lives. We've learned to work around it. We've learned to parent around it. We've learned to exercise and shop and do our daily lives around this virus. We have been living in a state of this hypervigilance and Even though the hormonal cocktail isn't the same in this sort of low-level constant stress state, it, it isn't a healthy place to be in for a long period of time. Okay, so even though it's not great for our bodies to be in this sort of low dragging on stress state for a long period of time... It's just our reality right now. This is what has been required of us literally in order to stay alive and to stay safe and to stay healthy. So we don't feel our greatest. If you don't feel your greatest, it probably is a sign that your nervous system is working and it's working really well. It's been hypervigilant watching out for you to stay safe and to keep the people you love safe from a virus that could actually really hurt them or even take their life. So that's a real threat. It's a real threat. It's what our nervous systems were made for. Um, But they've been going strong. They've been going hard and they're tired. Okay, so 
The opposite of the sympathetic nervous system is the parasympathetic nervous system. And the parasympathetic nervous system, that's the system that gets enacted in order for us to rest, to literally digest, and to repair and to restore. It's the part that helps us to recover from illness. It's the part that helps us heal from injury. And it's the part that just allows our brain to recuperate. And so for many of us, this is the part that has been missing over the past 12 or 13 months. And, you know, in addition to the very real, you know, life threat of COVID-19, um, a lot of us were already living in sort of a heightened state of stress before COVID-19, just because of the types of demands that our society puts on us in order to um, try to thrive. And I'll talk about that more in another episode. But for now, I want to share with you 10 signs, 10 very real symptoms that you might start to experience after your body has been in a prolonged state of sort of mid-level stress, okay? So sympathetic nervous system has kind of just been at a low hum for 12, 13 months. Here are some things you might be experiencing, okay? Number one, apathy. You just kind of don't care about the stuff that used to really bother you or get you riled up or get you motivated. Um, apathy would really make sense because when you have, when you've been thinking about staying healthy and not catching, you know, a virus that could potentially be very damaging to you and the people that you love, um, the other things sort of fall by the wayside. You're interested in kind of your hierarchy of needs here, your base, very basic survival level needs. So things that may have felt like they were really important a year ago probably don't seem that important anymore. Number two, subpar mental functioning. Things like, oh, I just can't think of the word. Like, why can't I come up with the words that I want? Even for me, composing these words for this podcast, podcasts can be tricky sometimes. Um, so things like brain fog, trouble recalling information, fumbling for words. Your brain when you're in stress mode is not wired to be performing at those levels. Your brain is is wired for keeping you alive and to keep these um, hormones running that's going to keep you sort of in high alert, hypervigilant mode. Okay, number three, irritability. You feel like you're about to snap. There are really a lot of reasons for this one, but um, essentially when we get tired, when we get run down, we get cranky. It's a signal that you need to rest, you need to break. You need some time by yourself. You need time to stop being in charge, to stop looking out for everyone, um, all the people in your care or just yourself. Even just watching out for yourself right now is a lot of work. Okay, the next one, depression. You just feel sad or you feel lonely. And there are so many reasons for this, but I think especially during COVID-19, and now we're heading into our second summer of COVID-19, that we just can't do the things that bring us joy. We can't gather in the ways that we need to. And one of the things that relieves this stress is connection with other human beings and having a, a support network, a group of people that can be with you and see you through hard things and sad things and lonely times. And Right now, our health, our survival depends on staying away from other people and not having those connections. So depression would only be natural. 
Okay, the next one, weight gain or your body changing shapes or sizes. Completely normal and understandable. When you are in survival mode, when your body is concerned about staying alive, it holds on. It holds on to calories. It holds on to fat. And a prolonged... Um, episode of cortisol release, which is a stress hormone, causes the same thing. It causes your body to hold on. And cortisol especially will cause you to hold on in the abdominal region, the abdominal area. Then you add to that, we've been through a winter and we've been more sedentary because we can't get out and, and move and bike to work or walk to work or do the things that are we, you know, would be doing pre-COVID. Okay. So weight gain, that's one that I've been coming to grips with. Completely normal, completely understandable. All right. The next one, I've lost track of my numbers here, but digestive issues. When your sympathetic nervous system is running on overdrive and working overtime, um, your body doesn't care as much about digest digestion, which is a slow sort of, um, you know, process-oriented system. It doesn't care about, about digestion. It's concerned with staying alive, okay? And so things like proper and efficient digestion, again, fall by the wayside. Same with reproduction. Your body isn't concerned with reproducing when there is a threat to its survival. Um, the next one, numbing out. So, you're medicating with things like food, alcohol, sex, shopping, media. Um, being in this hypervigilant sort of super sensory state for a long time is really exhausting and it's really intense. Um, but because of the way that we are wired and built, because of the incredible nature of the stress response that we have, it's hard to turn the danger sensors off. Okay, and so even though it's exhausting, even though it's overwhelming, we can't turn those sensors off. We're going to stay hypervigilant because that's what we're made to do. And so numbing out is sort of a way of escaping the intensity of what's happening happening around us, um, as well as sort of avoiding those strong or painful emotions that might be happening around what's happening. So, um, you know, even though a lot of those behaviors aren't going to be as healthy for us, when you can understand sort of why they're happening and why it's so much harder to resist some of those numbing out behaviors, it can be a little bit more empowering and it can give us the ability to be a little more self-compassionate. Okay, the next one. Okay, we're on number nine. I can tell because I'm at the end of the list now. So now we're at number nine, anxiety. And this one might seem like it doesn't need any explanation. I mean, we're, we've been a little more anxious over the past 13 months because there is a virus out there that we could catch. I have found myself holding my breath. Even when I'm watching TV shows or Netflix, when there are characters that get close to each other, I find myself holding my breath for them because I'm so used to not letting myself breathe around other human beings. Okay, so a sort of a heightened state of anxiety would really only be understandable, would only be normal. It makes complete and utter sense for you to be feeling anxious. And then um, finally, attention problems. You can't focus or get things done. This is a big one. And especially in our society that values productivity so highly um, and, and our society has continued to uphold normal standards in terms of work and earning and production and education and performance, um, 
even though we're all facing this threat to our survival and our nervous systems are working with this threat, we still have these very normal um, expectations around us in terms of productivity. Our brains aren't wired for it. They are simply not wired to be productive right now. They're wired to keep us alive and to keep us healthy and to keep us safe. So that's where I'm going to wrap it up for this week, because that's a lot to take in. That's a lot to digest. We haven't been sprinting on pavement like Ben was for 13 months straight. We know that. But if you can think of it more like you have had to walk a marathon, like with a heavy backpack on your back, you can think of your nervous system as having had to do that throughout the pandemic. And so it's been under a load of stress. And if I can just be a voice of compassion and understanding, if I can spark any sort of softness in you toward your body, your mind, toward what your body and mind have, have s- succeeded in doing over the past year, whatever sort of shape you are in, your body brought you through. And I think that's really important to acknowledge, especially as we live in this society that upholds very specific and unattainable standards of health, wellness, beauty, vitality. If you're in rough shape, A, you're in good company, and B, it probably means that your nervous system works really well. So that's the point I wanted to get across to you this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to practice this week, you can join me on Sunday night live at 7 p.m. Central on Zoom or Wednesday mornings live at 9.30 a.m. over on Facebook Live. Um, If you go to Facebook to do that Slow and Steady Vinyasa, you are looking for the group called Slow and Steady Vinyasa. Just request to join and I'll let you write in. And that's where I share just some really nice yoga flow classes. Um, All of those classes are for donations to Iowans for Immigrant Freedom. We raised about $60 last month. And I'm hoping to raise some more. So join me on Facebook Live and just give give what you can, give when you can. I appreciate it all. So um, yeah, and then keep in mind, if you like the gentler yoga, the real chill, relaxed version all on the floor on Sunday nights, um, come to my uh, self-care yoga on Sunday nights. And by the way, you're always invited to bring a friend, no extra cost. cost. It's just my way of um, inviting you to split the registration fee and make yoga more accessible to everyone. So I really hope you will join me. You can also find my classes on demand over at my website, erinlanzi.com. Have a look and check those out as you please. Those links stay alive for seven days. So practice with me anytime. And remember... Your nervous system is working hard. Treat yourself with kindness. Be compassionate toward your mind-body system right now. And our next three weeks, I'm going to be talking about some real clear and concise ways that we can nurture our nervous systems right now at the end of this pandemic. Thank you for listening, everyone. Take really good care. Bye-bye.